Good evening or good afternoon to you, whichever is right for where and when you are. Welcome to this episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. I want to welcome my friends, loved ones, and listeners from all over the world, as far away as Australia, Japan, other parts of the world, and all the states of the Union. You're listening to us on WGPL, WPCE, and WBXBAM here in Southern Virginia and Northeastern North Carolina. And we're also heard on the internet at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. If you would like to hear this or any other broadcast, you can find the podcast by searching C.D. Hodges on iTunes or any other podcast player on your smart device. You'll find Marriage and Family Clinic there. Marriage and Family Clinic is here to help you break down and gain enlightenment into your relationship dynamics. We definitely hope to help you identify what makes you tick and ultimately help you repair, grow, and perfect your marriage and family relationships. Now we're continuing in the series on finances for your family and for your personal finances. The subject of finances is extremely important. It's important for a couple of reasons. First of all, there is actually no better place to demonstrate your honor and your homage to God than in how you deal with your finances. We used to say, I can tell how much you believe in God by looking at your checkbook. Not as many people use checkbooks today, but the meaning remains the same. I can tell what you think about God by looking at the manner in which you handle your finances. A real spiritual conversion, a real God kind of conversion, brings a conversion in the way you think and deal with your finances. Secondly, money is the mode by which we care for our lives. Money has a role to play in most everything you need for life. Even Ecclesiastes 10 and 19 says, Money answereth all things. In short, there's hardly anything in which we don't use money or need money for. So there's one more reason why the subject of finances and money is important. I am deeply, tremendously, most seriously concerned about the mindset for finances and money among people who look like me. Did you get that? People who look like me. And for those of you who do not know, I am dark complexion. I hope you get it. Last week, I started sharing with you some wisdom keys to finances and money. And nobody needs these wisdom keys more than people who look like me. We don't pass on wealth good. We don't maintain wealth good. We don't build wealth good. We need help in the area of wealth building, wealth accumulating. We need help in the area of finances. So I'm inviting, I'm speaking to every kind of people, no matter what your color is. But I certainly hope and pray that people who are a complexion like I am would lend a special ear to what I'm saying in this series. So again, last week I started sharing with you wisdom keys to finances and money. And the five wisdom keys that I gave to you last week was number one, everything belongs to God. Number two, we're stewards and not owners. Number three, money is not the blessing. The power to get money is the blessing. Number four, we need to develop ant sense. That's the little crawling creature ant. We need to develop ant sense. And number five, you are not your stuff. We got through five of them, as a matter of fact, and uh, we've got a lot more to go. Uh, I'm going to share some more wisdom keys today. I don't know. Well, we'll get through these today. And, and honestly, we've got a whole lot of them in store. 
I don't know exactly how many we'll go over. I'll see how I feel after today's broadcast, and we'll see what happens. But remember, if you would like to hear this broadcast or any others, you can find us on iTunes or any podcast player. Just search the C.D. Hodges, C.D. Hodges, and you'll find Marriage and Family Clinic. So let's continue with our wisdom keys, picking up where we left off last week. Today, we're going to begin with wisdom key number six. Wisdom key number six, determine to honor God. Determine to honor God. In the New Living Translation of the Bible, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says, Honor God with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. He will take it from there. Now, I paraphrase that just a little bit. That last phrase I paraphrase, he will take it from there. And I did that for a purpose. Verse 10 says, God will fill your barns with grain and overflow your vats with good wine. And I intentionally did not name those specific blessings because uh, that's going to require some interpretation. And right now I'm not trying to uh, give anyone a blessing plan. I'm not trying to get into Bible interpretation. What I want to say to you is that if you will make it your first priority to honor God with your wealth and the very best of everything you produce, if you do that, then God will take care of the rest. God will get involved in your wealth building. God will get involved in your finances. The key to the blessing is that if you will do what you're supposed to do, that is honor God with your stuff, because remember, like we said last week, it all belongs to God anyhow, then God will definitely take care of the rest. That means that God knows how to reward you according to the heart that you give to him. Wow. God knows how to reward you according to the heart that you give to him. Here's the deal, folks. Here's the deal right here. In order to honor God with your wealth and the best part of all you produce, you have to sow into and you have to invest a portion of your wealth into God's ways, God's purpose, and God's will. And I can make it really simple for you. Sowing and investing your wealth into God's ways, God's purposes, and God's will means giving to God's church and the needy. I can make it real simple to you. Giving to God's church and giving to the needy, helping other people out. You can't honor God with your wealth. You cannot honor God with your money if you're not helping someone else out. You got to help somebody else. John D. Rockefeller was just about the richest man the United States has ever seen. A couple of weeks ago, I told you that John D. Rockefeller said of his wealth, I've made millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Well, I want you to hear another quote from John D. Rockefeller. He also said, I have tithe. I have tithe every dollar God has entrusted to me. And I want to say, if I had not tithed the first dollar I made, I would not have tithed the first million dollars I made. And I'm not saying that God is going to bless you with as much money as Rockefeller had. That's not what I'm saying. But what I will tell you is that if you honor God first, God will see to it. 
God will see to you. He will tend to you. And God knows best how to tend to you. What Rockefeller was saying is because I tithed when I had little, I got a lot, but I still tithe even after I accumulated a lot. In other words, he's saying, I remembered God in the little. God gave me big and I still remembered God. Listen, remember God. Determine your first priority will be to honor God with your wealth with the first and the best of everything that you produce. That means sowing and investing into God's kingdom and into the needy, and God will remember you in a great way. Wisdom key number seven. Wisdom key number seven. Debt, D-E-B-T, debt compromises you. Proverbs 22 and 7 says, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. You know, we have people who make a career out of and make a living out of giving a voice to the voiceless. And when we point to the voiceless, 99.99% of the time, we're pointing to poor folks. Poor folks comprise 99.99% of the voiceless. What am I saying? Nobody listens to poor folk. Rich folk rule over the poor. And the borrower is servant to the lender. That compromises your freedom, your choices, your future, and it compromises the freedom choices and debt compromises the futures of your children. Debt constricts your living. And by that, I mean that you're only living so well or you're only going to live so large as long as your debt is a significant part of your life. As long as you maintain significant debt in your life, you're only going so far. You're only living so large. And that's the issue with debt. Debt is the result of us trying to live weller. I'm making up a word here. W-E-L-L-E-R. Debt is the result of us trying to live weller (laughs) and larger than we're actually able to. It's called living beyond your means. There are two sources of debt that we must absolutely get under control. That is credit card debt and college debt. You don't have more money because you have a credit card. And and I'm going to get to credit cards at another point in uh, our discussion on finances in this series here. But I want to say real briefly, and you're nobody special because you got a credit card offer in the mail that says you're already pre-approved. Just sign here and get your credit card. You're no one special. They send those things to everybody. That's just another way of playing on your ego, playing on your emotions, getting you to sign away your life and go in debt. You cannot charge your way to happiness. You cannot charge your way to abundant life. You can't even charge your way to a mended heart after it's been broken. And you certainly cannot charge your way to prosperity. We've got to get credit card debt under control. You can't keep charging things. Not only credit card debt, 
But we've got to get this college jet debt, education debt under control. The numbers say there's about one and a half trillion dollars in outstanding student loan debt right now. According to the Institute for College Excess and Success, the class of 2017 owed an average of $28,650 when they graduated. That's the average. Some are a little less, but I guarantee you some are a whole lot more. A college grad has to work for several years just to pay off student debt. And we're going into debt trying to go to big name schools. I appreciate it. God knows we need education. Education is a must. But your education, the worth of your education is sacrifice when you go and build a lot of student debt to get the education. And unfortunately, so many people don't even work in their educational field that they got the degree in. Proverbs 22 is telling us that debt is the highway to slavery and poverty. Debt is the highway to slavery and poverty. And you, I cannot stress it enough, we have to get debt under control. We're going to max out a credit card trying to keep up with the Joneses. We'll max out a credit card trying to buy things that we know good and well we cannot afford. And you ought to feel the blessing of being debt free. If you're not debt free right now, if you have never been debt free, if you don't know what debt free feels like, I'm encouraging you strive to be debt free. Strive to be debt free. It's this loose feeling. It's this liberating feeling. You know you're handling your finances right. God is blessing your finances and you're debt free. So Proverbs is telling us when it comes to debt, when it comes to debt, if you're borrowing a lot of money, you're going to be a slave to the one you're borrowing from. Oftentimes we say, I'm a homeowner. I bought my house. Well, in actuality, you didn't buy your house. You are still paying on your house. The bank can recall that note. Something can happen and that ba the bank wants that house back. God forbid you lose a job. And we've learned during this coronavirus pandemic that things can go south quick, fast and in a hurry. We learned during storms, tornadoes and hurricanes that things can go south quick, fast, and in a hurry. Your job can go south quick, fast, and in a hurry. And if you got a lot of debt, you're really going to be swallowed under. You become a slave when you maintain large debt. It's just that simple. Well, let's move on to wisdom key number eight here. Wisdom key number eight. And, and I, I spend a lot of passion on wisdom key number seven. Debt is not our friend. And I just feel that strongly. Debt is not our friend. We need to view debt as an enemy, as a foe, as the opposition. Every now and then we have to work with debt. For example, if you are purchasing a home, every now and then we have to work with debt. For example, if you do buy a business, but that business is already turning a profit. 
I can understand that debt. But debt to buy material things that you can't afford and going deeper in the hole, you're making yourself a slave. You've got to strive to get out of debt. Let me move on here. Wisdom key number eight. Don't co-sign. <laughs> Do not co-sign. Proverbs 17 and 18 says, it's poor judgment to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for a friend. You know what that means. Don't co-sign. According to Proverbs, co-signing alone or securing someone else's debt is a sign of poor judgment. You're just not the brightest light bulb in the package if you co-sign alone. I don't care who it is, friends and especially family, your children, don't co-sign. And some of us will co-sign for a family member. We'll sign our names on the dotted line for a family member and go in debt just because they're family members. They'll come to us, tell, tell us we have, they have a good plan. We'll co-sign their loan just because they're a family member and we feel that we owe them. You don't owe anybody your signature on their debt. Nobody. I've told my sons, I love them with all my heart. I will help them as much as they can. God knows I will. I just won't co-sign for their loan. Here's the bottom line on co-signing. Don't co-sign for anybody's loan unless you want a loan yourself. And that includes family members. Unless you want the loan. Because if they default on the loan, if they miss payments, the loan provider is coming looking for you. And you will lose everything and they didn't pay the loan. And you cannot guarantee that your family member, your friend or whomever is going to be able to pay that loan. Even if they mean well, like we said a moment ago, things can go south very fast. And even if they mean well, but things go south, now you own yourself alone. Don't co-sign for anybody's debt. Don't co-sign for anybody's loan unless you want to loan yourself. That includes your family members. When we want to help other people, including family, we need to pray and go into counsel so that we can come by the wisest method of helping people. And co-signing alone is just not the wisest method. Please hear me out here. All right, moving on to wisdom key number nine. Wisdom key number nine, don't be greedy. Get your greed under control. Proverbs 25 and 16 asks, do you like honey? And then it goes on to say, be careful, don't eat too much or it'll make you sick. Greed will make you sick. We absolutely cannot live without water. Our bodies are two-thirds water. We need to replenish water in our bodies daily unless we dehydrate. But there is such a thing as too much water also. Too much of even a good thing is not good for you. You have to know your limit. You have to know when to cut it off. You have to have enough control over yourself to tell yourself, cut it off right here. Cut it off right here. And that's what leads people into gambling addictions. The high you get from the bells ringing in the slot machines, the high you get from winning a hand takes over the mind. And we become addicted. I talk about an addiction at some other point. 
but you lose control over yourself. You got to maintain the ability to step outside of yourself, look back at yourself, point the finger at yourself and tell yourself, stop it now. Enough is enough. A couple of weeks ago on this program, I said that pleasure, pleasure is an element in our existence that must be conquered. The quest for pleasure feeds greed. Hence, Proverbs 25 says, too much honey will make you sick. The honey tasted good. It brought pleasure. It was pleasurable. Pleasurable to the palate. Pleasurable to the taste buds. And it felt the, the sense for wanting more. It fed the sense for wanting more. And too often the thing that brings pleasure becomes a necessity. Oh, listen to that. That was rock solid right there. The thing that brings us pleasure becomes a necessity. And the urge for that pleasure is never satisfied. We want more. And that's how greed works. A thing brings pleasure. We feel compelled to chase the thing. And there is that minority that gets so consumed with greed that they fall in love with just getting more, no matter what the more is. Listen, money is the gateway to pleasure. And the more money we get, the wider that gateway opens. It just opens up and makes, gives you broad access to Lord knows what. And the wider that gateway opens, the harder we have to work to maintain control over our lives. Have you ever heard anybody say he got all that money and it changed him? Well, let me tell you something here. The money didn't change him. The money opened up the gateway to pleasure and he followed the pursuit of pleasure. How many people got that stimulus check recently in the mail and went and bought a big screen TV or a new iPhone that they really couldn't afford? But they got that check and ran straight to Best Buy. Got that check and ran straight to Amazon. How many people blew that stimulus money? How many did not honor God and give a tithe or give an offering? How many did not share with somebody else? But how many out of their own personal selfishness and greed blew that stimulus check? I'd really like to know how many people saved some of that money. Did you save any of it? You got to get your desire for more under control. Wisdom key number 10. Never expect security or stability from your money. 1 Timothy 6 and 17 says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Listen, folks, don't ever make the mistake of tying your sense of self-worth to your wealth. Don't ever make the mistake of thinking that because your investments are doing well today, you have no worries and your future is set. Money is deceptive to say the least. Let me paint a picture for you. You've invested in your 401k or if you work for the U.S. government, your TSP. You've invested in those uh, vehicles for 15, 20, 25, 30 years maybe. The stock market has been on a bull run for the last 5 or 10 years or so. I mean the market has just been running amok going up, up, up and up. You should have been telling yourself it's got to come down at some point. It has to crash at some point. But it's been going up, making monumental gains. You've been feeling really secure. 
here. You've been seeing uh, uh, on, on top of things and, and you're even proud because the number of zeros keep on growing in your bottom line. Maybe somebody's approaching that million dollar status in that fund. Now you're a couple of years away from retirement. The coronavirus strikes and in a matter of just a few days, the market tanks can't seem to bounce back. There goes 30, 40, 50 percent of your money's value. What's the result? You're going to have to work a few more years. I'm telling you that money is deceptive. Don't be deceived into thinking that all your questions are answered because you have some money. Many bank accounts have been drained after a tornado or hurricane or earthquake or fire or whatever the incident may be. Or God forbid some terrible terminal disease will wipe out savings and investments. These events will throw the best financial plan into a tailspin. Your problem will be compounded because you'll have to deal with the damaged ego and bruised pride of facing the fact that money did not provide you the security that you thought it would. Instead of try striving for security and money, we should strive for faith in God as our source and then experiencing the fulfillment that comes from sowing and investing our wealth and the best that we can produce into God's purposes and helping others. You ought to feel the fulfillment that comes from that. Because then you can know what it feels like to be rich. You will know. But I'm telling you, don't expect security and stability from your money. I oftentimes say that so many of us are just one storm away from desperation. Remember Hurricane uh, Katrina, every other hurricane after that, even Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Aunt, uh, Irma, excuse me, people were living high on the hog on one day, 24 hours later, everything was destroyed. The nice house on the hill was destroyed. The nice house in the suburbs were destroyed. The expensive car was underwater. Some people found out that the insurance wouldn't pay because something was wrong, something in the small print. They'd been turning up or down their nose at others because they thought they were all set because they had money. Listen, take my advice. Take the advice of Proverbs. Don't find your security in money. Don't think that you're better than others because you have a little money. It could all be gone just like that. All be gone just like that. All right. Wisdom key number 11. Beware of your emotional attachment to money. Beware of your emotional attachment to money. First Timothy 6 and 10 says, The lust for money brings trouble and nothing but trouble. You may understand that better from the King James Version. The love of money is the root of evil. The love of money is the root of all evil, all kinds of evil. This actually is a follow-up to the previous wisdom key. Don't expect stability and security from money. And I've discussed this a couple of times before. Our emotional attachment to money can be the source of all kinds of trouble. 
A misplaced emotional attachment to money can lead you to compromise your principles, sacrifice your values, betray people you love. It'll cause you to lie, steal, cheat, and for some people even kill. All of this because a person loves money. We even pacify our pain by spending money. As I've said before, how many of us have, have a trying uh, 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 experience and we go spend some money to feel better about it? We'll go through a hard time. We'll go spend money to feel better about it. That's that little rush you get when the Amazon truck pulls up in front of your house. If you spend money to feel better emotionally, you really might ought to examine your emotional attachment to money. The Bible offers so much wisdom in the area of finances and money. I could go on and on and on for the rest of the year almost, but time just won't allow it. Here's what I'm telling you today. Don't find your security in money. Be careful of your emotional attachment to money. If you love money, you're going to have a hard time recognizing God in your life, in your wealth, and you will never give him the best that you can produce. If you love money, your relationships are going to be in jeopardy. Your principles, your values, they're going to stand in jeopardy. I'm promising you, if you love money, if you're chasing after money, your eyes are going to be so focused on money, you're not going to see the trap that's been laid for you. You're not going to see the snare that's been laid for you. If you're chasing money, I'm telling you, money. Compromise your principles, sacrifice your values, betray people you love, lie, steal, cheat, for some people even kill. All of this because of the love of money. Listen, I'm about out of time here. I want to appreciate you. I really appreciate you joining with me uh, on Marriage and Family Clinic. Remember, if you want to hear this or any other broadcast, just go to iTunes or any podcast player on your smart device. Search for The C.D. Hodges. C.D. Hodges. C.D. Hodges. And you'll find money, uh, Marriage and Family Clinic. Appreciate you being with us. See you same time next week. Hey, we got to go. Love being with you. Hope we've encouraged you. Let me hear from you. C.D. Hodges at Hotmail.com. Got to get out of here. But remember, you can't have peace without surrendering your life to the Prince of Peace. God bless you. We're out.